From 1 Samuel, the Lord said to Samuel, the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. You know, maybe it's just me, but it seems to me these days like men get a bad rap. Is it just me? Uh, There's a thing floating around right now. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just by way of example, something called toxic masculinity. Have you heard this before? Uh, Here's the deal, right? Whenever you say something is toxic, it can't possibly be good, right? But so when you say something is toxic masculinity, it can't possibly be good, which is precisely the rhetorical point. You call something toxic and you cannot possibly defend it. That's the whole point. What exactly is this toxic masculinity? Well, I honestly never thought about it a whole lot, but I took a chance and I Wikipedia'd it. That's what you do, right? And it said that Wikipedia stereotypes stere- toxic, stere- toxic masculinity, excuse me, as socially dominant that leads to misogyny and homophobia. Let me just stop right there and say this unequivocally, that violence against women, or anybody for that matter, isn't masculinity at all. It's cowardice. Amen? What masculinity is, you see, is the exact opposite, which is defending the weak, protecting those who cannot protect themselves. I have known men, and you probably have too, that have treated their wives like trash, manipulate them, socially isolate them, you get it. Here's the deal. What the world needs are real men, godly men, men that are a key to a strong family because, friends, real masculinity isn't toxic at all. It's self-sacrificial, putting the needs of others ahead of your own. So, with all that said, What does the Bible actually tell us about masculinity? Well, lots, actually. But today we're going to look at just one example. I'm going to call it a case study of a guy named Jesse. Jesse is uh, the father of David, who is anointed the second king of the Jews. And I'm not going to focus on David today, although for the next six to eight weeks, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, the story of David, which is sermon fodder aplenty, believe me. David is a, uh, well, we'll get there when we get there, but David is a very interesting person in and of himself. But this morning, we're going to look at not David, but his father named Jesse. How does the Bible teach men to be men of God? With Jesse is our case study. So, you ready for this one? I want to look at three things this morning, because men of God always preach in threes. I'm just kidding. That's because I can remember, because I've got ADD, not only that. But anyway, here's the deal. First thing is, what is the good part of Jesse? What is the example that he gives us? What's the good part of Jesse? Secondly, what's the not-so-good part of Jesse? So it's, the, it's still an example, but by negative appeal, right? You learn by someone's mistakes. So what are the good parts of Jesse? What are the bad parts of Jesse? And here's the most important thing. How do both the good and the bad parts of Jesse point us to our Father in heaven? You ready? What are the good parts of Jesse? All right. What are the bad parts of Jesse? 
okay? And then finally, how does all of it, the whole shoot and match, point us to God, our Father? So before we dive into Jesse, let's go a little bit on the text from this morning. What's happening here, if you don't know, is that there's a a guy named Samuel, Shmuel in Hebrew, and Samuel has been sent by God to anoint the kings of Israel. It's a long story. We won't get into that this morning. But like most things in life, it's complicated because God tells Samuel to go and anoint a new king, but there's a problem. (laughs) There's always a problem. There's already a king. The Jews already have a king. His name is Saul, Saul, great one. And if you want to look for an example of toxic masculinity in Scripture, Saul's probably a pretty good place to start, right? He's tall, dark, and handsome. Okay, fine, but he's insecure, bombastic, erratic, and prone to uh, fits of violence, and he's basically a narcissist. Not exactly leadership material, which is the whole point, you see. Because God has rejected Saul from being the king and has instead picked somebody new. He says here, Samuel, I want you to go. Doesn't tell Samuel who who it is. Samuel, God says, I want you to go to a guy named Jesse who lives in Bethlehem, and I'm going to show you one of his boys who I will name the new king. Now, Samuel the prophet isn't stupid. He's brave, he's courageous, but he's not stupid. And Samuel knows, you know what, wait a minute, Lord, okay, fine, Roger Dodger, but here's here's a problem. Uh, If I go to anoint this new king and Saul, the current king, finds out, you know, I'm going to get smoked. He's going to kill me, which of course is true. And so um, he says, verse 2, Samuel said to God, how can I go, God? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. Let me just stop there and say something interesting Think about what's going on here. You're Samuel, you're a prophet. God tells you to do something. And Samuel's like, yeah, okay, but are you sure about this? I mean, so what, what actually the subtext of that is that Samuel really doesn't trust, doesn't believe God knows what he's doing. And, and then God actually gives him an out. He says, look, Samuel, okay, all right, fine. Here's an idea. It's kind of a, a bit of a ruse. God says, okay, fine. Yeah, don't go into Bethlehem announcing you found a new king. Instead, go to Bethlehem and, verse 3, take a heifer with you, a cow, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse and all of his boys to the sacrifice, and then I'll show you how to handle it. So God gives Samuel a little bit more information, but Samuel, he trusts him, and he goes. And I want you to see something here that God, you know, When God calls us to something, whether it's to do something new or to react to something in your life, when God God calls us, he does not call us to be fearless, you see. He calls us to be faithful, to trust him. The word faith means trust, right? Samuel realizes that this call from God is a dangerous one. He might get popped, but he goes anyway. Why? Because Samuel trusts God. You know, Bruce Lee... I'm not sure if Bruce Lee was a Christian or not, but he had a famous quote. Bruce Lee, you know, Bruce Lee. He said, courage is not the absence of fear. It is the ability to act in the presence of fear. Here's my point. God in his call to us will call us to do things or respond to things which are, in fact, terrifying. He doesn't call you to be fearless. He calls you to be faithful. And that's why Samuel goes. You know why? Not because he's not afraid, because he is afraid, but he trusts God. 
And that's the first mark, I'm going to say, of biblical masculinity and Christianity in general. It's a dude who trusts God. Whatever God calls you to do, it will be something difficult and confusing, right? And God doesn't give you all the information up front, probably because you'd blow it if you did. I know I would. But here's the deal. Life is hard, right? And you'll get through it. He'll get you through it. He always gets you through it. But the, the key for all of us is to trust him and do what he says. Say your prayers, put your head down, and go. That's what Samuel does. And he goes to Bethlehem to find this dude named Jesse, and he goes here to worship, and leads me to my first point. Samuel goes, despite the fact that he's fearful and scared and confused and what's going on here, God, but I trust you, I'm going. And he goes and he calls for Jesse, first point. And we see here in that call of Jesse how Jesse was actually a pretty good dad. Here's what I mean. When Samuel appears, Jesse tells his sons, get ready. Go and get ready to worship God. Remember, they think that Samuel's coming to bring a heifer to sacrifice. And so when, he, when Samuel arrives with this animal to be sacrificed, Jesse, the good part of Jesse, says, Boys, saddle up, get cleaned up, put your Sunday best on. We're going to church. Here's my point. The good part of Jesse is that Jesse has raised his boys to worship God. Jesse has raised his boys to put God first. Jesse has raised his boys to be faithful. Jesse has raised his boys to be boys and men that trust God just like Jesse does. And I'm going to stop there and say something. Because uh, if you're a dad, and I am, some of you are, you all, you all have one, whether you're a father or not. Uh, but here's the thing. Fathers have a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous opportunity to raise your children or grandchildren or stepchildren or people that you know that maybe don't have a dad in, in the home. Maybe he's in, gone or ditched or in jail or who knows, right? But men are called to be the spiritual heads of our family. I'm a dad, and I don't always do it right. I fail too. But I do think a lot of times we drop the ball. And I don't, I don't know why this is. I don't know why this is. I suspect it's for a couple of reasons. But for some reason, Men have come to buy the ruse, the routine, that church is mom's job, right? I don't know why that is. If you know, tell me. I'm going to guess because for the past 100 years, Christianity has moved from making truth claims to being emotive, right? That Christianity has become self-help. That Christianity teaches a Jesus with long hair and rosy cheeks, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, with long, flowy hair, a girly Jesus, a non-binary Jesus. Jesus was a carpenter who hung out with fishermen. You ever hung out with a carpenter and fishermen? I mean, he's tough. He's a man's man, not in the toxic sense, but in the sense of being strong, compassionate, noble. Dads, here's the deal. If you want your kids to have faith, if you want your kids to have faith, or your grandchildren or whatever, you've got to lead them, like Jesse did. I thought I told you about an article I read Gosh, a couple years ago, more than a couple, probably 10 years ago, by the Barna Group. The Barna Group is a, a think tank that does research on church life. And they found something fascinating, if you don't know this already, that when a father is not involved in the raising of his children in church, that 
they looked at long-term studies, right, of kids, that, people that grew up as adults and continued in their church life. And they found something fascinating, that, that boys and girls whose fathers went to church with them were far more likely statistically to attend church when they grew older. But here's the weird thing, and no one saw this one coming. If boys and or girls went with just mom to church, there was no statistical difference than if the kids had never gone at all. Why is that? Well, nobody really knows. It's a statistical study. But it's true that men have an incredible force and cause, and we don't even know why. Barna doesn't know why either. They speculated for a couple of reasons. Maybe it's because boys and girls learn to value what their dads value. Maybe it's because they learn from their dads what's important, what isn't. Whatever the reason is, and nobody really knows, but I do know this. If you want your kids to have a strong faith in Jesus Christ when they get up, dads, you've got to be bold and confident in your own faith. You've got to lead your children where you want them to be. You've got to lead your family to him. And I think, all, for all of Jesse's stuff, I think that's actually a big part of what makes him a good dad. That Jesse takes the spiritual welfare and spiritual headship of his family seriously. He leads his boys. He encourages his boys. He leads by example. He says his prayers, and that is what makes Jesse a pretty good dad. An example for you and for me. That's the good part of Jesse, but it ain't all good. What's the bad part of Jesse? Well, back to the story. Samuel tells us that Jesse brings his boys out for worship. Now again, no one knows, except for Samuel, that Samuel's there to anoint a king. No one knows that, including, including Jesse. But he brings his boys out, and he starts with the oldest, right? The Jews practiced primogeniture. The oldest boy gets most of the stuff. And so Jesse brings out his boys for this worship. And the first one he brings out is Eliab. Eliab is the oldest. He's tall, dark, and handsome. He's tough. Even Samuel looks at this kid, looks at, at Eliab, the first one, and says, surely it's this guy. It's a stud. It's a rock star. It's got to be Eliab as the next, next king. He's got to be the one. That's who I'd pick if I was God, Samuel says. And listen, God says to, to Samuel something really, really important. He says, Samuel, look, dude, the Lord does not see as man sees. The man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on heart. That word heart there doesn't mean your emotions. It means your core, your guts. In other words, you and I, we look at somebody, we can see their outward appearances. We can see what they want us to see, right? That's not so with God. God sees right into the, he sees the core, the guts. And so God says to Samuel, nope, Eliab, wrong one. Okay. So they go through each boy. And the sons come rolling through, Abinadab and so forth. Finally, all seven of these boys go through, and still no luck. And you've got to be wondering, Samuel's got to be thinking, what? Like, Lord, you led me all this way. I risked my life for this, and I'm coming up with an empty, right? Dial tone. Nothing. He says to, he says to Jesse, he says, uh, it's kind of an odd question, right? He says, hey, Jesse. Yeah? Are all your boys here? This can't possibly be true. I mean, you've gone through all seven of them, and I'm getting a nothing. I'm getting a zero from God. Are they all here? And this is where Jesse falls short. Jesse answers the following. 
There remains the youngest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There remains the youngest. He's out, but he's out, he's out raising the sheep. Yeah, there, you know, come to think of it, Samuel, there is one missing. I forgot all about him, which is the whole point. And in, interestingly, in Jewish literature, if you don't use someone's name, right, Abinadab, Eliab, they get named. But to not name someone, the guy out in the field, whatever his name is, is a, is a slight. And it's not even a slight, it's a humiliation. I mean, look, think about it. Where is that one kid? Nick, Doug, Cedric, what was his name? What was his name, right? I mean, I've done this before. I've got three girls, and you've done it. If you're a dad, you've done, I've done it, right? Hey, Amy, Katie, Grace, whatever your name is, right? I've done that before. But I've never actually forgotten their names. I've never actually discounted them so much that I would not want to give them the right name, and I, that I didn't care about them. But this is the point I want you to see. This is where Jesse actually drops the ball. This is the bad part of Jesse. Listen. Jesse forgot something incredibly important. And we all do this, moms and dads. Jesse forgot, Je Jesse forgot who his children belonged to. When I was in seminary, I uh, had a spiritual director, I've told you about him before, hugely influential man in my life, Father Don Gross. He was a psychologist. He was my spiritual director. He was also the diocesan exorcist. <laughs> and so he used to say to me, man, Rodriguez, you got the whole shooting match, right? So anyway. But he once said to me, I was, I was in counseling with him once doing spiritual direction, and I referred to Amy, my daughter, as my child. He says, oh, no, no. He says, hang on. He said, I'll never forget this. Father Gross said to me, I said, yeah, my daughter Amy. He goes, oh. He says, she's not your child. And I'm thinking, do you know something I don't know here, Don, Father? No, he said, she's not your child. He says, uh, this really rocked me. He says, she's God's child. She's the Lord's child. He said to me, God has just given her to you to raise on his behalf. Holy smokes. You know, we are stewards of everything we have, right? Everything we have is given to us and will be taken away, including our children. They are given to us to raise on his behalf. Father Gross was right, man. I want you to think, this rocked my world. Maybe not you, but me it did. I want you to think about this, that your children are entrusted by God to you to raise in his place. That was where Jesse dropped the ball. Jesse forgot that. That your job as a, a dad or a mom is, is to know your kids, man. Know them well. And don't project all your own trash and baggage on them. And don't live your lives through them. And all the things you did wrong and the regrets you have and the things you failed at, you know, crank it on them to make themselves feel better. No, don't do that. Here's the deal. Your job as a mother and a father, and mine too, is to know your children, their heart, their core, what they're made of. To see themselves, not as that kid out in the field with the sheep who likes to play a harp. No. To see that child by name and know them. Let me just say this. Dads, encourage your children. And I don't mean, when I say encourage, I don't mean tell them they're always great, because they're not. Kids are sinners like we are. They make mistakes. They blow it. But the thing about a mom or a dad is we encourage them by giving them courage that even when they fail, we're there with them. Your children, friends, are different from you. My children are different from me. They like different things. 
They're good at different things than I am. I mean, thank God for that. I was thinking about this this past week. Thank God for that. What if my children were exactly like me? Holy smokes. Don't say it. But here's the thing. I mean, your children are, they're a gift. They're God's children that he's given to you to raise. Help them see that they are unique. They have gifts that maybe you don't have. Thanks be to God. So here's my question. And this is where Jesse drops the ball. Do you encourage your children? Do you give them courage? Do you give them strength? Do you strive to know them as who they are? Not just what they do, keeping sheep, but who they are, what they love, what makes them tick their heart. See, Jesse is a pretty good dad. He leads his boys in worship, okay. But sometimes he's not so great either because sometimes Jesse forgets that his kids are God's children that he's called to raise on his behalf. Well, my third point is I want you to see this, is that both the good parts of Jesse and the bad parts of Jesse point us to something even bigger. And that is the good of Jesse and the bad of Jesse points us to our Father in heaven. Let me show you this. You know, when I do a good job as a dad, I, I reflect our Father's goodness. Remember, God our Father is my Father and my children's Father. They are not only my children, they are my sisters, my sisters in Christ. Your children are not just your kids, they're your brothers in Christ. We all, friends, have a common father. When I, as a husband, act in a good way, as a good dad, do the right thing, I reflect my father's goodness. And when I blow it, and I do, I also reflect our father's goodness. Because my failures point to his goodness. My shortcomings point to where he has perfect knowledge of everything. My, where I fail, he succeeds. My success and my failure as a dad points to him. You know, when I was in, uh, in, in New Jersey, I'm going to tell you a story about a woman, and I'll wrap this up. Her name was not Mary, but I'm going to use the name Mary because that's what I do. And Mary, I'll never forget this, she was a person in the Diocese of New Jersey, not one of my parishioners, but I remember talking to her about, she wanted to use the language of God of, and this is kind of hip in some places, of using God as creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. I said, what? It's a it's kind of, going, anyway, I said, why would you not just say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? She said to me, you know, I have a hard time. I have a very hard time referring to God as Father. And I said, well, Mary, Why? Why is, it, why is it such a difficult thing for you? She said, because, she said, I'll tell you why. She said, because my father, my father was a monster. I said, you, she said, I cannot call God father because my own father was a monster. Abusive, distant, controlling, toxic masculinity, right? And I said, Mary, you've got to stop comparing God to your dad and start comparing your dad to God. I said, don't you see? I said, you have to stop comparing God to your father and start comparing your bio dad to your father in heaven. Your biological father's failures don't disprove the goodness of God, oh no. On the contrary, it shows us how much we desperately need it. Because your father, I said to her, your father on earth failed you. Yes, he did. I said, but Mary, your father, our father in heaven will never fail you. 
And here's the reason why. Because, see, there's another king born in Bethlehem, same place where David was and Jesse. And this other king born in Bethlehem, his name was what? Say it. Jesus. And this Jesus dies on the cross to save us from our sins, to restore us all to our Father in heaven, to make us worthy so that in our successes, we can point to him. But even in our failures, we can point to him because we know Christ has died to redeem us. So men, I'm going to challenge you. Stand up for Jesus. Lead your family as a godly man who trusts in God, who does the right thing, who does not shrink from masculinity just because our culture is critical of it. Be an example in your success and in your failures. Moms too. Be your success and in your failures to point your children to our common Father in heaven. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the gift and the privilege of fatherhood. Help us to see Jesse as both an example of godliness and also an example of how to be better. Remind us, Lord, that even in our failures, we are always looking to Jesus who reconciled us to you, our Father. In his name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.